Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'lif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Subhanaka ma'ilmalana illa ma'alamtana innaka anta alim al-hakim. Allahumma ma fahmlana illa ma fahamtana innaka anta jawadul kareem. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidu Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. All praise be to Allah, we thank him and we... And we ask from him, inshallah ta'ala, Rabbi zidna ilman, Allah increase us in knowledge. Inshallah, this week we go through verses number um, number 12, 11, and all the way, inshallah, to the end. Um, but we'll be focusing on the two verses, or three verses, 11, or 12, 13, and 14. Those are the three verses we're going to be focusing on. Focusing on. And then the, the, the we'll fade the surah out, inshallah, is surah al-hujurat, and we'll end the surah. Um, so yeah, these two verses are incredibly important. It's they're communal verses. They protect um, our social interactions. What's called muamala. And Allah Taala says here, "A'udhu billahi min ash-shaitan rajim Ya ayuha al-ladina amanu ajtanibu kathiru min al-dhani inna ba'd al-dhani ithmu wala tujassisu wala 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 yaghtu ba'dukum ba'dun ayuhibu ahadukum an yakulu lahm al-akhihi mayitan fakrituhum fatqullah inna Allah tawabur rahim." O you who believe, stay away from a lot of supposition. Most of it, most of supposition, is evil. Is what's called an ithm. Um, and don't have suspicion between each, each other and don't backbite or gossip each other. Would any of you love to eat the dead flesh of your brother or your sister and fear Allah? Indeed, God is Tawabur Rahim. He turns to you and He's all merciful. He's forgiving and He's all merciful. The first verse here is Ya Yuhaladina Amudu. So this is like a condition. We call this what's called a shart wal jawab sharts in Arabi. The condition in the answer of the condition. So Allah says, O you who believe, meaning all you who believe follow these next characteristics. And it's been um a pattern in Surah Al-Hujrat. And he says, Ya Yuhaladina Amunu Ashtanibu Kathiran Minabdan. Be aware of a lot of of supposition, opinion. Ishtinaba is to Avoid something. Ajtanibu. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ajtanibni bani anda'budul asnam. That uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim, he says, uh, avoid for me the worshipping of idols. It's to avoid something, to stay away from something. That's why there's a dua, Allahumma arani haqqan haqqan, show me truth for truth and allow me to do i'tiba' of it, like to follow it. And then show me falsehood for falsehood, wa arzaqni and provide for me ijtinabuhu, the avoidance of it. Like allow me to avoid um, avoid a falsehood. Like avoid it, like take it out of my path. He says, ajtanibu kathira min al-dhan. What does this mean? That means that if you find places where like, sort of like, um, it sounds sort of like, Allah, you know what an op-ed piece is in news? They write an op-ed. Allah's basically telling us, beware of an op-ed. Beware of op-eds. Does that mean that we don't, it's haram to read op-eds or write reps? That's not what it means. What it's saying is that beware of like communal op-eds. Like a place where like communities, just the assumptions are having an opinion of people that you enter upon a space with dhan, with an opinion, with an opinion that... It's very difficult to do this, but part of 
belief is to make sure that you approach each other with a clean heart, that you don't have any opinions over each other. You have any preconceived notions. Uh, this is sort of one of the problems with knowing people, knowing spaces and knowing communities through information that you've heard about them or read about them. Um, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in this hadith, Beware of opinion. Opinion is the worst form of speech. Beware of having an opinion of people. It's the worst form of speech. That if you have preconceived notions about people, about people, and the conversation in the like it's like a dinner table conversation where you're talking about people in the dinner table and most of what's happening is like the negative characteristics of that person of that of that person it turns into what's called mubalagha exaggeration then exaggeration turns into just straight up lying about that person right this is called khutwat shaitan imam nawawi calls it this is the khutwat of shaitan it first starts off with like i'm going to talk about this person's um flaws even though they're not here and there's nothing i can do about it I'm going to critique their flaws then i'm going that's going to turn into like exaggeration and then that turns into straight up lying and then that could potentially turn into slander things that are not even true right because then that becomes i heard such and such about this right the messenger of allah said be be careful of he said she said beware of he said she said um this is very difficult to do especially when done like you can look in the quran Dhan is here in this verse, is talking about explicitly what's called su'al dhan, having a bad opinion. And then if you look at hadith, dhan is just having an opinion of anybody. This is called mustalahat, M-U-S-T-A-H-A-A-T. Mustalahat means how terms are used in different sciences. Terms are used in different sciences. In the Quran, in this verse specifically, Allah is using dhan or an opinion in like a bad light. In the hadith, the Prophet he's telling us that there's good dhan, there's good opinion, and there's bad opinion. And then if you look at fiqh jurisprudence, dhan, supposition, is a tool in order which in which we use to extrapolate rulings from. So if there is an if there is a, a a probability or an understanding that if such and such happens, then such and such would happen. Right? Um, for example, uh if uh the the, the scholars say something like if you have uh, uh, if you allow the selling of alcohol right like in, in if you live in Muslim lands people that are not Muslims are allowed to sell alcohol to each other the opinion, the supposition here is that if it becomes publicized it will be available to Muslims and Muslims will start engaging in that type of behavior that's dhan, that's supposition you can use that to extrapolate. Is that saying that, oh, the people that are selling are bad people? Is that saying that, like, oh, the people that... No, it's saying that this is just a natural course of action that happens anytime we're exposed to things that is filth or anytime we're exposed to things that could potentially be a distraction. You guys are following me? Like, it's a natural thing. So, dhan in regard to, like, the law is very different than dhan in regard to uh, what Allah is talking about in the Quran when we're, when we're dealing with each other. When we're dealing with each other, it's generally negative. We deal by facts, not by opinions. Um, and Ibn, Ibn, uh, Ibn Atiyah says that that the default of a person, the default of your community should not be 
a bad opinion of them. Like a bad opinion of them. I'll give you an example. You find out that somebody is doing a project to feed, clothe people in the winter of Chicago and give them jackets. The default reaction should be Alhamdulillah, they're following the hadith, whomsoever has, have, I was naked and you didn't clothe me. If you would find my servant and they needed clothes and you clothed me, you would have found me with them. They're following that hadith as opposed to, yeah, logistically, this is going to be an epic fail. That shouldn't be the first reaction. Also, like nobody really asked you. Just say Alhamdulillah. Like you're not in the like no, you're not doing anything, right? Or it's like, well, yeah, well, what about the Muslims in like such and such country? Why don't they focus upon uh, you hear this? Like they should focus on them, not them. It's like it's really weird when you deal with like our community. Sometimes we get to the point of like, if you try to do good here, they just think about all the good that you could have done that you're not doing. As if you're supposed to be able to, as one person, do everything all at once at the same exact time, simultaneously, right? The, the, the default should be Alhamdulillah. And that's why the Messenger of God said, If somebody says that people are damned, people are ruined, know that that person is the most ruined amongst them. Because the person that's saying people are ruined are oftentimes the people are not doing anything about anything. The people that are usually in the forefronts or in what we call the trenches, we use that language here at Ta'lif a lot, like in the trenches, in the trenches. Every time we talk about like da'wah and community work, we keep using the word. And like Mike always says in the trenches, in the trenches. What does that mean? If you're in the trenches, you know how difficult it is and you only form an appreciation for the people that are doing the work. Like over, especially here, right? We, there's like a bunch of people doing da'wah or da'wah work. Like, and I'm speaking in the context of like a bunch of people doing it. And they may do it different than we do it. They may even come from a different school of thought than we do it. They may come from a different, what's called like a menhaj in understanding what we do it. But when you're doing the work, you just naturally have respect for everybody doing it because you know how much of time it takes, how much of energy it takes, how much resource it takes and how like difficult it is to do. You actually, once you're doing stuff, right? Uh, you start to have an appreciation. So one of the things that Ima, uh, Ibn Atiyah says, he says that like most people that have the default here of, of just like their default is critique is because they've never actually done anything. They've never actually done anything. That's why um, uh, there's a saying, um, old men talk about what they've done, young men talk about what they're doing, and fools talk about what they're going to do. Old men talk about what they've done, young men talk about what they're doing, obviously women too, and fools talk about what they're going to do. Well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, this person can do this right, well, they should do this right. Well, if you, you can, you're either doing something or you're not doing something, right? Um, and then Imam Nawawi adds to that, who's one of the great scholars, he says, He says, no, that having a bad opinion is impermissible, just like speaking a bad opinion on people. Like just having a good opinion is impermissible. Uh, sorry, having, sorry, having a bad opinion is impermissible. Like if the default is my opinion of some such and such, look, this in, this is the default here. I'm not talking about exceptions to the rule. We're talking about exceptions, exceptions to the rule. This is the default is having a bad opinion. Meaning um, if you uh, meet people and you don't know them and you judge them like you would judge the cover of a book, it is haram. I if you're like, yeah, they're not wearing the right clothes. They're not wearing the, saying the right things. They must not be as religious as me. Right, they must not be practicing in me. There was an auntie that I met in the in, in our community. She's like a family friend. She has no real signs of like outward religiosity, and not to degrade any form of outward religiosity because that's very very important in our tradition. In Islam, the outward informs the inward, and the inward informs the outward. 
Um, and they're all beautiful Sunan. But she, one of the things we have to also recognize is some people are not brought up or have access to the same level of exposure to like Islamic norms as all of us. It's not an equal playing field. Is that fair to say? It's not an equal playing field. Um, and mashallah, she's very successful in, in her career and she's probably like my mother's age. And again, like it was, it was like weird. Like I first met her and she was the first conversation. I was like, Oh, Salam, how was your weekend? She said, it was great. Auntie, like an auntie, auntie. She was like, it was great. She's like, I was at the Coldplay concert. And I was like, she was like, she was like, yeah, like that type of, like, she's like her fingers on the pulse of like, <laughs> and so you have your preconceived notions, you know, mashallah, she's like, you know, she had a certain way of dressing, whatever. Um, she came to stay at our house. Like she was in Chicago for a little bit of time and she came to stay in her house and my mom was praying iftar and it wasn't Ramadan. Like it was Ramadan. I was like, Oh, why are you preparing iftar? And she's like, Oh, such and such is staying in her house. She's fasting. I was like, Oh, she's fasting. So it's like, no, for the last 10 years, she's been fasting the fast of Sayyidina Dawud alayhi salam. For the last 10 years, she's been fasting every other day of her life. She's never missed a fast. You know, the fast of David, Sayyidina Dawood, is he would fast every other day. She hasn't missed a fast of Sayyidina Dawood alayhi salam. So what's her maqam with Allah? What's her maqam with Allah? Allahu alam. How many people do you know? Like, raise your hand if you know anybody that's fasted the fast of Dawood. You know anybody that's ever been? Whoever does that? Who even knows that exists? It's a thing. Nobody even knows it's like, like, a, like a sunnah. Every other day. Wallahu alam, right? Um, people, you have to learn to appreciate the people trying. That's the one. Learning to appreciate when people are trying. Learning to appreciate when people are trying. And that's why the Messenger of Allah said, when he sent Sayyidina Mu'ad to, to Yemen, he said, Oh Mu'ad, make things easy, don't make things difficult. Give glad tidings. Don't be a pessimist. Sadidu wa qarribu. Make a... Uh, try your best and come as close to goodness as you can. And the scholars use the analogy of a bow and an arrow. The bow and the arrow analogy. The bow and the arrow analogy is that if you've ever got archery, like if you've, uh, if you, if you shot a bow, I've never shot a bow before, but if you shot a bow, um, you always want to hit the bullseye and you're outside. Let's say generally you're outside, you're shooting the bow. Um, you, if you've never shot an arrow before, you're probably not going to hit the center of it. So you're probably not going to hit the center of it. That, and there's all of these variables. There's a the wind, there's a the temperature, there's how high you're, whatever, all of these different things. The scholars say, or having a good opinion of Allah is aiming, which is your intention. That's niya, your intention. And shooting the arrow, which is action. Wherever the, the arrow lands, is up to Allah. And if you miss, you just try again. And if you miss, you try again. That's all we're really asking for. If you, if your community's base uh, understanding of like amal salih, doing right or good works, is having good attention and trying their best, that shouldn't be enough. Having good intention is not enough. It's not enough. Everybody has a good intention. Just doing stuff aimlessly is not enough. Meaning, if you aim uh, and just don't shoot, what's the point of aiming? And if you shoot without aiming, you're going to lose the mark. You have to have both that work together. A good intention, a good intention and sincere intention and action. Naam. So Imam uh, An-Nawawi here, one of the things that he says is that mm, <clears throat> 
He says, "As-su'adhan al-haram is the qawl, wa fakamah yahramu an tahadhith ghayruka bi-sawa' al-insan, yahramu an tuhdiru nafsika bi-thalik. Subhanallah, he says, it's haram to say something bad about other people, and it's impermissible to speak ill about people as you would not like somebody to speak ill about you when you're not around, or have a bad opinion when you're not around. And he says, it's just as prohibited to speak ill about yourself or have a bad opinion of yourself. It's impermissible to have a bad opinion of yourself. I can't do this. I can't do that. I have nothing. I'm just, you'll hear this a lot. Now there's people among some of the Sufi tradition, you'll hear that they call themselves fuqara or like the poor. Have you heard this? Faqir, they say, I'm just a faqir, right? I'm a poor. This is actually not, um, this is not a, a degrading thing. This is actually a higher rank to claim the rank of, of, of faqr with Allah in that poverty in the eyes of Allah. Oh, you who believe Allah is ghani, Allah is enriched, and you are wa'antum fuqara, and you are people that are dependent, you're poor. That's actually a station of Allah, right? Allah. That's a station of the believer with Allah. The opposite of that is man As for the stingy one, they say that we have no need of fuqara, we've done everything ourselves. That you don't really see Allah in anything. You don't see God's hand in anything. This is the opposite of fuqar. This is the opposite of recognizing that you have inability except Allah gives you ability. You have wealth except Allah is the one that made you wealthy. You have provision except Allah is giving you. And you have Islam because Allah is giving you Islam. You have faith because Allah is giving you faith, etc., etc., etc. Right? And that's why. Um, uh, the dua of Sayyidina Moses is, Oh Allah, you are the one that had empowered me and I am in front of you, faqir. You are the one that had delivered me. I am in front of you, faqir. I'm in front of you. I have nothing. Wa ana faqir. I have nothing in front of you. So you have to have a good opinion of yourself in that everything that you've been given is a blessing from Allah. If you degrade your blessings, Allah will remove your blessings from you. Right? So you shouldn't say things like, Oh, I'm ugly. You shouldn't say things like, Oh, I'm... Um, you know, uh, I can't do anything, I'm useless, I'm worthless, all of that stuff. This is not from Islam at all. The Messenger of Allah said, nafsa. A believer doesn't degrade themselves. Because if you're degrading yourself, you're degrading something that is a creation of Allah. You're degrading a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you should be self-critical of yourself, maybe more difficult on yourself than you are with other people. But you should never enter upon the abode of self-degradation. Why? Self-degradation leads to self-paralysis. Self-degradation leads to self-paralysis, right? Also, the other side is Ibn Ajiba tells us that self-degradation is a sign of arrogance. Publicly, self-degradation is a sign of arrogance because you talk about how bad you are all of the time, but that is because you're only thinking about yourself. You're only thinking about yourself. Ana, 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 ana. You're thinking about yourself all of the time. He says self-degradation is a sign of arrogance. That um, if like a part of it is not uh he said part of the part of the understanding of, of, of the heart and it's understanding one's heart and understanding wisdom upon um, not having other than good is you don't follow the khawatir of the devil, the footsteps of the devil. You're not following the footsteps of the devil and you're not speaking about yourself in a degradational way and you have uh, no preconceived notions about your companions or your friends, right? Suadhan, a bad opinion, breaks friendships all the time. 
you notice it always breaks community, it breaks friendships, it breaks, you'll have a squad that you're cool with, everybody has whatever, and then people start to speak about each other and have preconceived notions, and that is, uh, that becomes broken. Those relationships become broken. In the Messenger of Allah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Harramallahu min mu'min. Allah had made, sanctified for the believer, dam wa mal, their blood, their wealth, wa irdihi, and their honor, wa and every believer's right is that they have a people have a good opinion about them. That's a right of the believer that they have a good opinion about them. Um, now that leads you to the conversation of well, what about like red flags with people? What about if like you have a good opinion about people, but there's like really some like outward problematic things that are going on? Right, that people, one person is sort of uh, has. Um, you have a good opinion of them, but he uses foul language all the time. You have a good opinion of him, but you see openly that like he does something that's explicitly haram. When you talk about a good opinion, it's not a zero sum game. You can have a good opinion on most of the things and be very weary about clear problematic things that people have. The best example of this is marriage, right? The best example of this is marriage. If a suitor comes to you, right, as one of the, um, a woman came to the Messenger of Allah and asked the hand of a man. We spoke about this before. And the Messenger of Allah said, beware he holds his stick in his hand. Meaning what? Like, he's not a bad guy totally. He's not an abusive person, but I know him to be an angry person. And if he gets angry that he might use that stick, I'm going to take you out of the situation. Right? That's not backbiting. That's recognizing certain clear red flags in order to protect your community, in order to protect the other, in order to protect your family, in order to protect your children, right? Um, I'll give you an example. In the Maliki school, in the Maliki school, it is haram, it is impermissible for the, to leave your children alone in seclusion with the Quran teacher. You guys like it's impermissible to leave your children alone in the, with the Quran teacher. Why is it haram to do that? Like, why is it why is it haram to do that? Why is it impermissible? What clearly was going on in Medina? What was going on in Medina? Imam Malik is the Imam of Medina. What was going on? What cases were happening? As if we haven't heard these cases before, right? Right. We ask Allah for tawfiq and from deliverance from that, but. It's not that, oh, I'm a Quran teacher, whatever, and the default is like, yeah, you must be a pedophile. Hashalillah. That's not the default. That's not the default. That's not the default. That's not the default. But the impermissibility is that we don't put our children in those circumstances because we cannot completely vouch for everybody all the time. It's not a zero-sum game. You're always careful. They're not in what's called khalwa with each other. They're not in seclusion with each other. Right? And because... There are two parties. One is what's called mukallif. They're, le they're, they're sound, have sound intellect. They have sound moral judgment and they're responsible for action. Your children, are they mukallif? No, they're not. They're not. So why would you put somebody who's not a mukallif, not morally responsible in the room with somebody who's responsible, who's your child? Aren't you going to protect the, 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 the sanctity of your child? That's dhan. That's part of it. Does that mean now the Quran teacher is an evil person? Not until they've done anything. Now the Bilal, hopefully nobody does anything ever and it's all good. And all the people that your Quran teachers are pious. That's the assumption, right? 
but you take yourself out of that situation. So that's how as a community, you stay away from all lowly suppositions, all bad opinions, but you're also very careful of putting yourself in harm's way because you're aware of red flags and you're, you're, you're confirmed of what you know about this situation or this person. And you're also confirmed and you're also wary of what you don't know about this person, right? I don't know whether to trust them. It happens in business, right? One of the imam, uh, in the, in, in, even in the Riyadh al-Salihin, it's related that one of the times is openly you're allowed to backbite about somebody is if somebody asks, this is a good business partner. Maybe you had a business partner, they didn't do their work. Maybe they didn't, they, they just were bad investors or whatever. That doesn't mean they're bad people. It's like, no, he's just really bad at investing. I wouldn't get in business with them, right? The second is a marriage suitor, right? The third is um, like a marriage suitor is a great opinion, a, a great example. Um, if somebody is like, hey, I want to marry such and such person, as we mentioned in the hadith, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, they're working on through to some, they're working, they're going through some stuff right now, or they're not ready for marriage yet. Or, hey, dude, if you're looking for stability, like they're, they're trying to find their way and they don't have a job right now, to be honest with you. Or it's like, you know, they've been married before and such and such happened, you know, whatever. That's all permissible. But if you say that and you go, yeah, and like the guy's a loser, he was a geek in high school, nobody liked him, his friends, whatever, like that's haram. That's haram. Because now you're going overboard. Now you're just insulting somebody's character. There's a fine line between insulting people and like actually giving sound counsel to people. And one of that is that it doesn't become like normative. Like people don't just talk about this all the time, right? And then the next verse that he says, the next line that he says in the verse rather, and don't have suspicion. Don't do what's called tajassus. T-A-J-S-S-U-S. Tajassus. Um, don't seek to expose the honor of a believer. Don't seek to expose an honor of a believer. As-Sahal, one of the great saints, he said, Don't be somebody that seeks to find the faults that God has clearly hidden from his servants. Right? If Look, because what happens? God hides a fault like, Mike um, sees something fishy about me. All, all the signs, like, I'm a good guy, whatever. But he's like, in his heart, he's like, bro, there's something up about Umair, right? If he goes out of his way to investigate who I am and, like, find, purposely look for, like, problems, he is going to war with Allah because Allah has hidden my sins. He's going to toe-to-toe -to -toe with God. Allah has hidden it, right? Now, that's a, there's a fine difference between investigating or suspicion and what's called taftish. Tajassus is T-A-J-S-S-U-S. Taftish is T-A-F-T-E-E-S-H, taftish. Tajassus is to be suspicious of everybody. This is sort of like, if you think about it, it's like, the, if, if it's like a Muslim tin hat conspiracy theorist sort of stuff, where like everybody's watching me all the time, which they probably are, to be honest with you. But like the government's always watching, I'm not going outside, right? Who's the, who's the person in the red car, right? Like who's the person in the black car outside my house? And you're just always paranoid. You're, you're always paranoid, perpetually paranoid. Who's coming out to get me? Taftish is um, doing proper investigation if there is something that you're a part of that you're looking for in any sort of transaction. I.e., I am like, uh, if you're uh, traveling alone with somebody, you have the right to ask people that they've traveled with, hey, how is such and such to travel with? 
right? Just a simple, like, how is someone to travel with? Like, are they really, are they the people that, like, get really upset if things don't go in their, their way in the itinerary? Are they okay with being, like, sort of, like, spontaneous, right? Like, I'll give you an example, like, I'm a very spontaneous traveler. I don't really plan. Like, I go and let's see what the day brings, right? And then you have other people that travel who are, like, we have to stick to the schedule, right? I would not be, it would not be fun for me to do that, right? I wouldn't say anything, but it would be fun. If I'm going on vacation, I'm probably going to be, like, hey, Mike, uh, I'm going on vacation with Will. Like, is he, is he, is it cool to like, you think he'll have a good time with me if we go to vacation or we're going to have a problem? That's okay. You could say that because it doesn't mean that Will's a bad guy. It doesn't mean I'm suspicious of Will. It means like, are we going to have a good time or is it, do I need a vacation from this vacation? Right? That's what it means. That's all it means. That's taftish. Taftish is, again, if you're getting into a transaction with somebody, you look at their transactional history. Uh, if you're getting a business with somebody, tajessus is you walk into the space and I'm looking for something wrong right now. That's suspicious. I'm purposely looking for something wrong. As the Messenger of Allah says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Muslim, Subhanallah, he says, don't seek the exposing the honor of your brother or your sister. For indeed, if you seek to expose the honor of your of your of your brother and sister, or you seek to honor them, you are seeking the honor of God to the point where God will expose you and make you somebody that is dishonorable. Man satara aurati akhi satarallaha auratihi. Whomsoever, whomsoever conceals the honor of their brother or their sister, God conceals their honor. Whoever conceals the honor of their brother or their sister, God conceals their dignity. Um, why? Because you don't know, what if Allah had forgiven them for whatever they've done 15 years ago? 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, 30 years ago, however it is. Maybe Allah's forgiven them. Um, you have to allow people to have a chance to grow. And that's why the messenger of Allah said, do not find faults constantly in your brethren or your sister perhaps doing that will corrupt them, right? Like, I'll give you an example. What if you work for like an organization or a community or whatever, you work at work and your manager comes in and you're working really, really hard. And the only thing that is in your like meeting with them is that they're just telling you how bad of a job you did. And the next week, well, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. Third week, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. At some point, you're going to be what? You're going to be deflated. You're going to be like, dude, I don't even want to be here. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't, I don't want to get better anymore. Cause like, I, even if I try to get better, all you could you can't even see anything. I'm going to where I'm valued. I'm going to go to where I'm appreciated. Most people leave the Dean of Islam, leave the religion. I'm saying leave the religion because when they come into religious spaces, all they have is a checklist of what they're doing wrong to the point where it paralyzes them. And they're like, bro, this just makes me feel so deflated. I don't really want to be part of this anymore. That's why most, especially younger people, are deflated by faith. Because faith, as it's supposed to be like this empowering feature, right? It becomes a very deflating feature. The Messenger of Allah was with a man named Ibn Mas'ud. You ever heard of Ibn Mas'ud? You relate hadith from Ibn Mas'ud? Ibn Mas'ud has a really interesting story. There's four phases to his life. The first one is, there's a, he's a young man. He's a young man. Very, very small. Uh, maybe in his teens. And the Messenger of Allah and Abu Bakr, his best friend, they're in Mecca before, like the early days of Mecca, like 
Only Abu Bakr was a Muslim at this time. Only Khadija was a Muslim at this time. Only Imam Ali was a Muslim at this time. Barely any Muslims. And they're just walking outside Mecca and they're looking for a, a sheep, right? They're looking for sheep. So they find a shepherd and this young boy is taking care of a shepherd and the messenger of Allah is like, this one looks very good. I want, I want let's, get, let's take this one. And there was a price tag on it. And the boy is about to sell it, but then he hesitates. And then he says, uh, wait a minute, don't buy that. He's like, why? He said, the water, the milk of it, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't produce milk. He could if you sold it to the messenger of Allah, he could have sold it, made the money and bounced, which always happened in Mecca. In Mecca, debauchery was a norm. By the way, like this was normal. Like you you paid money for something that outwardly looked good and you found out it was like garbage, right? It's like um so yeah, so anyways, he stopped and he says it doesn't produce milk. In the Messenger of Allah, said Rasulullah. He was like amazed on the on the on the truthfulness of this young boy. So he takes his hand, he puts it on the udder of the of the uh, of the of the goat, and he starts to make dua, and it begins to fill up instantly. And it starts producing uh, milk at rapid rates. And the boy becomes amazed. He said, he said, what did you just do? And he says something amazing to him. He says, because of his his truthfulness. He says, oh, young boy, you are a teacher. And he taught him how to do it. He taught him how to do it. And that boy became none other than Ibn Mas'ud, who becomes what? A teacher and a prolificator of hadith that we get most of our hadith from, Ibn Mas'ud. Second phase is that Ibn Mas'ud's walking and he was very small and he's with the companions. He's with the companions and he's got very small feet. And a wind comes and exposes his feet. And they're like incredibly tiny. And the companions, they start looking at him and start laughing at him. Like, look how small his feet are. They start to laugh at him. Look how small his legs are, right? Like chicken legs. You know, guys that go to the gym and they only have chicken legs. Like, look at chicken legs over here. Like chicken legs. And a gust of wind, a gust of wind uh, blows and he blows into a tree, right? A big tree. And they start laughing at him. And the messenger looks at the companions and said, you're laughing now. But know on the day of judgment, the legs of Ibn Mas'ud will be, will be like the mountains of Uhud. They'll be like the mountains of Uhud. And what happens to Ibn Mas'ud? That's the second phase. And the messenger is like, really? Abu Jahl, who's the nemesis of the believers, who's like eight feet tall in some traditions, seven feet tall. He's a very big man, right? In the battlefield, who's the one that ends his life? Ibn Mas'ud climbs him and he's the one that finishes him in the final attack in the battle. All of this is because when he was a young man, throughout his journey, the messenger of Allah doesn't deflate him He's like, no, you're going to be a teacher. Like, you're going to be really important to this narrative of Islam, this narrative in the story. Like, you're going to be a big part of it. And then he ends his life by being a muhaddith and where the Hanafi school gets a vast majority of their rulings from, Ibn Mas'ud. That's one person. How many people did the Messenger of Allah do that to? And you look at our communities now, we can't even find talent if we tried. Because you come to the space, like, how do you know, like... Who's going to be the next teachers and who's going to be the next imams and who's going to be the next sheikh or sheikha and the next empowers and the community leaders and the next whatever? Well, how are you going to find that if you don't, a base of it is not a place where people, it's not suspicion, it's actually empowerment. It's not the checklist of what you've done wrong. It's like, what are you done right? What, how do we optimize what you bring to the table and how do we minimize your weaknesses, right? How do we optimize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses? Naam. And then he says, um, Allah says in the verse in the Quran And none of you should backbite each other Backbiting They asked the messenger of Allah um, 
he said, they said like, what's riba? What's backbiting? He said, He said, thinking of your brother or mentioning him in a place when he or she is not there, uh, that of a, something about them that they don't like. Which is related in Muslim uh, that if they're present, if they're if, if it's true about them, it's backbiting. Right? If it's true about them, it's backbiting. If it's not true about them, it's slander. Whomsoever slanders their sister, they slander their brother, they will not smell the garden of paradise and its smell could be smelled 50,000 years away. They will not come close to the garden because they have back slandered them, slandered them. We ask Allah for tawfiq, right? I'll give you an example. If I could be just really honest, you go to some Muslim spaces sometimes, like if you're part of like MSA spots, you go to MSA people, right? You come to like other places and sometimes there's um, different variations of let's say like I see this a lot. This will happen like 10, 50. I don't still happens. But you'll see like spaces where like there's, you know, some level of a gender uh, affiliations between people. Like it's not that tight, the space when it comes to gender. Some places are incredibly separated, which is good in those spaces. And some places are not. Like you're not going to go to college. It's not going to be your college experience, right? Um, sometimes people catch feelings we ask Allah that it becomes halal inshallah ta'ala it's not a big deal you just you know it's really weird to me like it's like subhanallah they went to the Muslim space and fell in love and it's like at, at where else <laughs> they got married it's like damned if you do damned if you don't right um and sometimes there's things that are most of the time is very cordial sometimes things become involved um but you never slander the space. What does that mean? It means that people mention that gathering outside. They'll say, oh, you're going to such and such space? Like, yeah, like that's just a hookup spot. Right? Have you heard that before? Oh, that's where Muslims go to hookup. It's hard. I hope you know, like, that's haram. Like, you can't say that. You can say there's problems with it. You can critique it. But you realize what you just said. You're saying people, and I don't know about what culture we all come from, but when you say that, you're actually, uh, you're, <laughs> You're um, you're talking about the chastity of people by that point, chastity of people. You're talking about their chastity. You're accusing men and women of being unchaste in that point. You can't say stuff like that because you don't know, and that's why. Right? Allah says, whomsoever accuses chaste women in the Quran and doesn't bring forth four witnesses, then lash them 70 lashes and never accept their witnessing ever again. Indeed, they're the transgressors. Indeed, they're the transgressors. Be very careful of what you say about people. Be very careful of what you say about people. That is slanderous things. That's why it's better, as the Sufis say, is sumped. Just be quiet, right? But whoever believes in Allah in the last day, let them speak a good word or stay remain silent, right? If there are problems with such spaces and things are going on, there's a process of addressing it, right? But it just use nilly, you know, willy words outside without understanding the implications of that thing. You're making a very problematic claim, right? That's what's called namima, 
N-A-M-I-M-A. Namima. Namima. Namima is slander. Like, are we on time, bro? On time? Okay, it's two. Uh, mashallah. Um, na'am. So, one of the messengers of, uh, one of the companions came to the messenger of Allah. Sayyidina Mu'ad said, we were the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And some of them said, a people from a qawm, they said, They were mentioning a people from a different group of people and say like, man, all they do, all they do are they're the type of people, they only come to us when they want some food. Sound familiar? You, you plan Muslim events, if there's food involved? There have been 50, I'm joking. Um, there's a, it's only if they want food. And uh, they only uh, travel for that, for travel if it's something, is it, that is something beneficial for them. They won't do anything for other people. And look how weak they are. The Messenger of Allah said, He said, you backbite your brother and your sister, right? And they say, oh, Messenger of Allah, uh, what's so like, why is this like backbiting? Like, like, why would this be considered backbiting? And he said, He said, he said, recognize that backbiting is uh, backbiting is speaking about your brother or your sister which it might be true about them but if they heard it they wouldn't like it and Abu Hurairah who said said one of the people stood up about the messenger of Allah uh, and he saw um, amongst them was a people ajzan ajzan like he couldn't get up the guy he tried to stand up to the messenger of Allah but he couldn't get up right and he said oh messenger of Allah he said what like fulan. He said, How inability look at this person, he's so weak. I'm not be like, look at he's so weak to get up. And the Messenger of Allah said, In front of him, Akeltum Lahmatul Akhik. He said, You eat the dead flesh of your brother. He said, You eat the dead, like you're insulting your brother. One of the things that we have to be careful of, and I know like we live sometimes in a community where we like we like we sort of josh on each other a lot. If um insult or making fun of people becomes the norm it becomes problematic, right? It becomes problematic for two reasons. A, the place becomes a place that is not spiritual. Like the angels don't like that. The angels don't come to a place where people are constantly being insulted. Even in jest, like when you do it a few times, alhamdulillah, it's good, mashallah. You do it with your boy, your friend is very different. Your relationship is different, right? Um, when the space that you come to and all it is, is just like people are like going in at you constantly and constantly like you're being roasted over and over and over and over and over again right you need to get out of those spaces if that space is not because your spaces especially with community should be a place with your companions a place of healing right not a place of like joking around there's a time to joke around right like one time um uh Sayyidina Omar uh was they were they were sitting together him and the messenger of Allah and they had their dates their mountain their sort of their little mounds of dates right and uh Sayyidina Umar, the Prophet went to go like wash his hands. So Sayyidina Umar looks at me, he's like, watch this. He takes the Prophet's dates and he puts it on ours and he comes back to it. The Prophet comes back to it and he says, Ya Rasulullah, what happened? You were that hungry? You ate all of your dates? He said, you left nothing for the table, right? Um, no, 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 sorry. He puts, he puts uh, all of his dates into the pile of the Messenger of Allah's, right? And then he says, Ya Rasulullah, what happened? It's like you took everybody's dates and you left nothing for us, right? He's messing with the Prophet, Sallallahu and the messenger starts laughing and he says, he sees that there are no dates. There are no dates in the pile of Sayyidina Omar. So he looks at him and he says, what happened to you, Omar? You were so hungry, you ate the seeds too? Huh? 
so they had a relationship like that which was like they were always like constantly like not making fun of but they were like pulling each other's legs and they were comfortable with the messenger of allah remember these were also his friends like they were also his friends like they were also hanging out with him too there was a time where he was a prophet and there was a time where he was a friend and there was a time where he was a father and there was a time where he was a mother they used to have food fights in the house of the messenger of allah did you know that do you guys know that? They had a food fight. When, um, when, when uh, um, um Salama was a really good cook, our mother Aisha was not a very good cook. And one time she tried to show up Um Salama, so she starts to cook something. And um, uh, the messenger of God and Um Salama are sitting waiting for the food to eat. And then she, like Um Salama takes it, she goes, she just already, because she's like an expert chef. And you know, if you're like good at something, you can already tell like, you're, it's like kitchen nightmares. You know, watch Gordon Ramsay, kitchen nightmares. Like he eats the thing and he could just tell this is off, this is off, this is off. It's sort of like the kitchen nightmares in the house of the prophets. <laughs> right? So Sayyid Aisha gets very angry. She takes the dish and she puts it in the face of Um Salama. She puts it on her face. And the Messenger of Allah starts, he's in shock. And then he, he like, he gives an ishara to Um Salama. Like he nudges her and he says, aren't you going to do something about this? So she takes in all of a sudden, there's a big food fight in the house of the Messenger of Allah. There was a time for things like that. Right, this is a personal life. This is how they, um, this is how they showed love between one another. This is how they showed affection with How they dealt with like the sort of the envy of Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha in the Messenger of Allah. This is how he like mitigated. He like sort of took a very tense situation and he made it very like fun and jovial. There's a time for that, but if always the space is like we're just gonna keep making fun of each other and it's like this is how bad you are. You're not gonna feel like you belong. You're not gonna feel comfortable. Um, and sometimes that becomes a norm. What happens when that becomes a norm um, is the second aspect of this is you start making fun of each other so much that the thing that you're making fun of them becomes what you're known by, right? Becomes what you're known by. Uh, uh, one of the wives of the Messenger of Allah was known to be short. And Aisha was also shorter. One time she was walking up, she was coming to a place inside the Aisha said, she said, she said, she said, bina. Uh, uh, he's like, look, shorty is coming. Look, shorty's coming. And the Prophet says, like, takes her by the side, not publicly. Tifa says, like, Aisha, don't say that she doesn't like it. Right? And Aisha's like, but I'm shorter, like, we're the same size. And she's like, yeah, but she doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. Just don't do it. She doesn't like it. If people don't like to be spoken to a certain way, just stop. Just stop. It's like, there's no reason to do tarbi on them. There's no reason to be like, let me teach you how, how to have a thick skin. Um, Lead by example. If you want people to have a thick skin, then you got to have a thick skin, right? And most people that can uh, dish it, they can't take it. That's usually what happens, right? They're actually the most sensitive. Um, so, na'am. So, An-Nawawi says, Aghiba kullu ma afhamta bi ghayrika nuqsan al-Muslim aqil. Any, Allah, any, any uh, thing that you understand about speaking bad about a people when they're not around, recognize that it's deficiency in the intellect. It's deficiency of the intellect, the believer. You, he said, if somebody constantly backbites people, know that they're an idiot. They, they have nothing better to talk about. An empty mind is a devil's playground, right? There was a story of... Uh, of um, of a man, a judge, and a young boy. An elderly man, a judge, and a young boy. 
The elderly man didn't like this gentleman. He lived on the street with him, same street. And the elder young boy is somebody, he's like a younger, like, let's just say he's a teenager. And he was a little bit like, he was a little ratchet, right? He was known to do like rowdy things. He sort of uh, behaved a, a little out of pocket sometimes. He was sort of the kid that plays baseball in uh, baseball, the neighborhood street and the ball goes through the window of the old man all the time. And he's just upset. He just didn't, and the old man just didn't like this kid. There was like, uh, there was somebody going around stealing people's, burglaring people's garages, right? They're going to people's garages, they're burglaring stuff. And the old man says, I know it was this guy. It was this fool. It was this buffoon. This guy's going around. I know him. I know his character. He's going around stealing things from people. He's doing whatever, right? So he goes to the judge and bears witness when he goes to the kids at trial. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to put this kid on trial. He goes to the judge, whatever. And the judge like, he's like, is this dude? This dude, I'm telling everybody, is this young cat? And he starts talking about, he's like, he's untrustworthy. He's a thief. He's a slanderer. He's going to take your stuff. He doesn't care about property, whatever. And people now begin to believe that this young boy is all of these things. They did an investigation. It turns out the guy's innocent. The being was innocent. So the judge says, the way he teaches this old man, he says, come here. He says, what? He says, write down every single thing you've said about this person. Comes out about a hundred things, right? Disloyal, um, untrustworthy, fake, all these different words. And he says, um, I want you to tear it all up, scatter it around town, right? And scatter around town, wait for about a couple of weeks. Go find all of them and make them one solid piece of paper again. He says, I can't do that. It's all gone. It's already out there now. What am I supposed to do? He says, you already did that, didn't you? Look, now you can't put it back together. You just, you can't. There's no coming back from that. It's over now. And you're responsible for the destruction of somebody's entire character because that's all you're into, right? That's all you're into. No, that is deficiency of the intellect. It's complete deficiency of the intellect. Um, and it is impermissible. And it is impermissible. Um, and that's why uh, they say men, um, they say men whomsoever degrades a dead body, you go by a grave. And all of a sudden you're like, this person was bad, this person bad, this person, whatever, dead body. Or backbites, it's as if that they have cursed 1,000 prophets. They have cursed 1,000 prophets. And whomsoever um, backbites is as if they have backbitten or they have, they have backbitten 1,000 kings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, provokes them from 70 sunnan and he puts upon their feet 70, uh, puts, gets them, um, puts, um, enters them upon the 70 doors of the hellfire. You know, we talked about the hookup thing I told you about. Like, are oh, you just there to hook up? Think about this hadith. The Messenger of Allah said, this is how hadith. Backbiting is worse than 70 counts of fornication. Backbiting is worse than having, doing, having illicit haram sexual relations 70 times. Right? You think about that. That's, cra that's crazy. What's the head punishment for, for zina? What's the punishment for zina in a public place? Honestly, it's okay. We're in America. I get it. What's the punishment? What's the punishment for fornication? Stoning, right? 
in the Sharia. We're not, we're not talking about stoning. Everybody's watching. We're not stoning anybody, inshallah. But that's a punishment. If you do everything the right way, that's a punishment. Imagine 70 counts. 70 counts of zina is backbiting. Think about how careful you're going to be before you say anything about somebody else. Right. Alhamdulillah. And then he says, um, the Prophet says, he says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Uh, the Messenger of Allah says, according to Mullah Abdul Hassan Ashadili, in kana wala buddha min nas, that he says that if um, there is no doubt in what you've heard, is backbiting upon people, right? He said, if you hear somebody backbiting and you know it's backbiting, immediately what should your response be in your heart? Read Surah Al Ikhlas, a, one surah is about sincerity. In the eight-week series, inshallah, if any of you decide to sign up for it, we'll actually go through the deep meanings of each of those surahs. The surah sincerity, right? Um, seeking repentance from the unseen realm, from the unseen realm. I seek repentance from this people. Ya Allah, this stuff, I'm not, I don't want to be part of this. This, I don't want to be part of this. You read these two surahs. The moment you hear a backbiting, right? Wahid Sawabaha Maktab La ilaha He said, one of them, uh, one of them is one reading that one time in that place, that that is the reward of all of the sin of backbiting that has happened. If you sit there and you say, you're disavowing yourself from any of that stuff. And he says, uh, and Allah becomes pleased with you because you're not part of that behavior. You're not part of that lowly behavior because Allah is pleased with you. Naam. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and then he says, Would any of you like to eat the dead flesh of your brother or your sister? So he's, Allah is relating this what? This is called isti'ara in the Quran. I S T I. Apostrophe, apostrophe, uh, A R A H. Istiara. Istiara is metaphor. So, what is Allah's metaphor? Backbiting is the same as cannibalism, right? No, you would hate so you would hate to do so. So, fear Allah. Allah is Tawabur Rahim. That even after that, He said, No, seek repentance from Allah. Allah will forgive you from that. Naam. Um, and then the next verse is, so that was the next verse, that's verse number 12, verse number 13, which is a very important verse. Now, this everything we spoke about before leads up to that verse. The first part, the first series, I'm going to review real quick, was talking about don't put everything, anything in front of Allah and His Messenger. The second is speech. Lower your voice in front of the Messenger of God, the second one, and be mindful of your speech. It's the third one. Then we spoke about news. If an evildoer comes with you for news, then clarify it. Perhaps you will wrong yourself and you will wrong your people from what you've done. Then the fourth was what? Don't degrade a group of people over another group how they're better than them. Don't find faults between one group of people and don't use bad language. Um, whomsoever doesn't turn to us, among, they're amongst the oppressors, right? Look at the, it's talking about the cosmos. It's talking about your speech, right? Your speech. Then it's talking about, what was the next one? Um, uh, your interactions, your social interactions. Then it was talking about safe spaces literally make sure that you clarify things you hear about others then we're talking about making sure we don't dehumanize people 
the dehumanization, superiority, arrogance, all of these different things. And then lastly, we talked about um, backbiting and slander, protecting the honor of people. And all of this comes to this verse, which we hear all of the time, where Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nasu, ya ayyuhan nasu, inna khalaqnakum min dhakrin wa unsa wa ja'alnakum shu'ubaw wa qaba'ila li ta'arafu inna akramaka indal ikramukum indallahi atqakum inna allaha alimul khabir. O you who believe, indeed we have made you from male and female. Right? We have made you from male and female, and we made you tribes and nations so that you know one another, and the best of you are the best in knowing God, and He is aware of all things. We're going to talk about that first part. Now, Allah never says, We made you from Rijal Wanisa, men and women. What does He say? He didn't say men and women. What does He say? What is that? He made you from male and female. Deeper than that, Allah is saying he made you from the masculine and he made you from the feminine. He didn't say we made you, there's a man and woman here. He said we made you from the masculine. We made you from the feminine. In that, he's saying, and then he says we made you nations and tribes. But then he said for you to know one another. Masculine, what does this mean he made you from the masculine? Allah's sifats, his attributes are split into two. What's called the jalali attributes of God. The mighty attributes. Al-Jabbar, right? Um, the mighty one. Al-Qahar, uh, 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 the one that punishes. Al-Muntaqim, the one that is, he has vengeance. The avenger. And then you have the jamali names of Allah. The beautiful names. Al-Latif. He is gentle. Ar-Rahman, he's merciful. Ibn Arabi says the Jamali names are what's called the mass, the feminine names of God, the feminine attributes of Allah. The Jalali names are what are called the masculine names of Allah, right? And Allah splits those two things because he makes attributes into pairs first. The first pair is a feminine pair and, and, and a masculine pair. Arabic, the Quranic language, has masculine and feminine, right? You have masculine nouns and you have feminine nouns. Six Spanish has that too, right? Right? Um, gender is assigned to certain nouns. A car, a sayara is feminine. A tree is feminine, right? Um, the sky is masculine, sama. Um, all of those have meaning. And you could talk about that for hours and hours, but one of the, one of the like, you'll, you'll see this. Allah says, All praise be to the one that has made everything in pairs that roams the earth. From what you know and from what you don't know. From what you don't know, which is really interesting. The heavens, the sky, sama, is masculine or feminine in Arabic. Huh? Sama is masculine. Sama, right? Generally, it's, it's, it's masculine. Jannah is feminine. Jannah, the garden, is feminine. That's why we talked about this. When you're risen into the garden, you're called by your feminine name, not your masculine name. You're called by your mother's name, not by your father's name, because it's a feminine. In the sama, under the sama, where there's under the masculine, you're called by your nest of your father's name. You're called by your father's name. Ibn al-Fulan, Ibn al-Fulan. The earth is feminine or masculine. Ard. What is the earth? Feminine. Right? The Messenger of Allah said, 
He said, He said, respect your mother who's the earth. Respect your mother who's the earth. The Messenger of Allah said, respect your mother who's the earth. What's the, what is the relationship between the masculine sky and the feminine earth? The seed is planted into the earth. Whose job is it to nurture the, the earth when there's a seed inside of it? Because the sky has to provide it with what? Rain, proper sunlight. And the, if the sky does its job, then what grows from the earth? Vegetation. That's the exact relation between the masculine and the feminine. That's the exact relation between them. Allah made the sunnah of Allah is he made the masculine and know the feminine. Huh? Like that's what exactly what he, Allah did. You can never know the nations and the tribes. You can never build a community. You will fail in building your community. You will never build it if you don't understand feminine and masculine things. Right? That's why in our community, there's such a weird like uh, proxy war between male and female. I won't even say in the community in the world, but unfortunately we're not informed by the Quran anymore. We're informed by kufr more than we're informed by iman. That's just the nature. Even our religious circles are informed by disbelief. They're not informed by belief. If anybody followed this, we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in. Right? I mean, how many of us were actually taught that? Be honest with me. Were you ever taught this before? This is Quran. Like this is a tafsir book. This is not Starbucks tafsir. This is like I didn't buy this book in America, guys. <laughs> I went overseas and bought this book. This is a book I bought overseas. This is our tradition. It was written, book was written 500 years ago, right? And this is like what, this was a base understanding. In that, if you can understand masculine nature that is in you and the feminine nature that it in, is in you, there is masculinism inside of you who's a woman. There's masculine qualities in you. You may be tougher than other most guys. I, I was at the gym the other day. Wallahi, Allah, barafi. I saw a 60-year-old woman deadlift 315 for reps. 315, 60 years old. Yeah. I was like, subhanAllah, dude. Right? Oh, subhanAllah. Um, like, um, and I, I wasn't I lowered my gaze. I said, subhanAllah, lowered my gaze. I promise you. Also, she's 60. Everybody relax. But like, um, there's clearly masculine qualities that we would consider quwa, a type of strength is generally given to masculine men, right? They're usually to us stronger, but women have it inside of them too. Um, the idea of, uh, of, of mercy or compassion is generally relegated to women, right? It's generally a woman thing. Like it's easier for a woman to be more merciful. That's why you know that verse that if there's a thief and you judge between them, two, generally it's two women witnesses and one male, because women have a better chance of forgiving. Men have a bonus chance of being just just, right? In that time, things have sort of changed, but at that time, right? One would be like, oh, you know, we should give him a second chance. A guy would be like, nah, dude, like this fool's out. I'm cut him off. Hey, give me the head punishment. Let's go, right? Right? Which the Messenger of Allah said, Ajtanibu be like, like try to find excuses to not use the head as much as you can. Capital punishment as much as you can. Um, So, Women have that, that quality. Do men, do you find women, men, are there men with more feminine qualities that are, than masculine qualities? Yes, they are. A few in Frabatine, but they are. You'll find that. Are there some women with more masculine qualities than feminine qualities? Right? They are. When those are not recognized and they're not articulated, they become to create a community that has become hypersexual and the only way they can express 
those qualities is through illicit relationships with other people that is outside of the sharia when those things are not understood properly right because you don't value the feminine nature inside of you what what did the messenger of allah said habbabali min dunyakum thalathatun three things from your world have made me beloved to me there are only three things I love in this world. I don't care about wealth. I don't care about like dominion. The, the angel told me like, have all the wealth in the world and make you a king prophet. And I said, yeah, bump that. I'm going to be a, I'm a servant prophet. Like I'm not really down for any of this stuff. He doesn't care about anything. He said, but there are three things that I care about. An-nisa, wa-tib, wa First one is women. The second is good scent. And the third is Allah has made the coolness of my eyes a prayer. Okay, why are those three things related? An-Nisa, right, have the qualities that you would want Allah to have with you. The women have qualities that you want Allah to have with you. My mercy encompasses my what? My wrath. It's on the throne of Allah, right? That there's feminine qualities that the Messenger of Allah loves that were otherwise degraded by men in Arabia at that time. Compassion, mercy, love. How many times has he used the, 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 the metaphor of a mother and a child as a metaphor for the mercy of Allah or rather the reality of the mercy of God, right? Those things are very real for him. And then we, sp we spoke about this. And um, I was going to a tangent real quick, 227. Can I go on like a four-minute tangent? Um, just because it's been fresh in my mind. The permission? My... Four minute tangent, good. Tangent, we'll come back to it. Who's timing it really? Um, uh, there is the reason why is actually very involved. And I'm gonna just say, I'm usually very shy about talking about this. And also because I don't, I'm a, a, aware, afraid of like, you know, in the community, sometimes you talk about this and people are like, oh, astaghfirullah, but also like bump it, it's Saturday. And I just don't care that we obviously are just gonna talk about it. I'll just talk about it. But why does he talk about women? In the context of Tlib, why is good scent important? Why is good scent important? Because good scent is a sadaqah to other people, which you'll find as a reward not in this world. You'll find it a charity in the afterlife. And number two, it, it's the Tlib is the scent of the garden. It's a scent. It's called Ghaliya. The type of thing the Messenger of Allah used to wear is called Ghaliya. He used to mix some things together. Um, and he used to create a special type of scent to mimic the scent of what he smelt in the gardens when he went. To, 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 to the garden where you went to the seven heavens that's a heavenly reality so when you burn like you know we burn oud why do we burn oud we burn oud here because oud yajdibu malaika it summons angels and this is not just in a Muslim tradition right frankincense is burned where in churches is burned in, in synagogues and even before the Abrahamic faiths used to have in Ireland and things like that with good spirits they burned frankincense right um, and uh, prayer has been revealed where? Here or where? To Master of Allah, where, it, where was it when, when, Allah, when Allah revealed it? Was it revealed on earth to him? Like revelation? Think about it. It's not in the Quran. We don't know how to pray in the Quran. We're not, we don't know how to pray in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the Sunnah. It's not in the Hadith tradition. We don't know how to pray. Right? Because the Master of Allah, nobody has to talk about it. It was taught directly to the Master of Allah in the heavens. So all these things are heavenly things. Then why is women part of it then? Because the Raham the raham is what's called the womb. 
the womb is connected directly to the heavens inna raham mutaallik bi arshil la hadith sahih la taqta arraham man qata arraham qata allahu whoever cuts the womb allah cuts their relations with them indeed the only thing on the earth connected to the heavens is the womb of allah is the womb of a woman is a womb so what does the womb go through once a month it goes through menstruation it goes through menstruation it starts to bleed out right and it starts to cleanse itself when you in ramadan if you miss your fast would you have to make up your fast yeah you do you have to make up your fast do you have to make up any of your prayers why why do you have to why don't you have to make up your prayers deep cuz you're in a perpetual state of prayer anyways it's not my teacher one of my teachers may allah be well pleased her she said this is not a rukhsa he said this is not a rukhsa it's not a dispensation from prayer he said it's a replacement for prayer. It's the replacement for prayer. You're actually in a perpetual state of prayer. So what do you have to make? Like, dude, you're in the heavens right now. You guys realize you're actually in the heavens and you're coming back. That means you're, you're, your raham is going back into the cosmos and it's coming back to you, right? It's coming back to you. If you understood that, you understand and recognize the importance of masculinity in this world in the important of femininity in this world, the roles that we play as male and women, male, and then the role, sorry, men and women, the roles that we play, you understand why Allah says men are the caretakers of women. We talked about the sky and the earth. You will not have what's called any toxic relation between one another and Allah knows best because you know how to value each other. You know, understand where to value each other. You know where to put places in the rightful place. You know the sensitivities of each other, right? You know what to say, what to not say. Trust me, I have no, I'm, I know I'm talking about it. Mike and Will can tell you, I know nothing about women. <laughs> I know nothing. You know how many times you're like, bro, trust me, like you can't talk to get women like you talk to men like that. They don't take things the same way. I'm publicly saying it's recorded. Mm -hmm. That is a very, no, but it's important for us to admit those things, right? It's important for us to admit those things. And that's why, you have to have mentor figures that are both male and both women that have lived enough life, that have gone through the process of having marriage, going through marriage, having children, raising children, working in different fields to, to learn from them in order to understand. Like, don't learn from Instagram quotes. Don't learn too much from YouTube videos. There's some, inshallah. Learn from the people that are experiencing what you're experiencing, right? And then you'll understand things more better, right? You'll understand relationships better. You'll understand how to talk to people. You'll understand what things you should say that will may come out insulting. That women can say to men that men just feel hurt, but they don't have the... They, men are taught to not really like communicate their feelings. They'll never really tell you, right? They'll never really tell you, right? What like I was talking to one of my friends um, that these guys know very well. He might be watching the live stream. Uh, and there was a problem between two parties, one guy and another guy, right? <laughs> and one guy felt the other guy hurt his feelings. So he expressed to a friend of him who a friend of his who's a girl and said, this man, this one guy hurt my feelings. And I was narrating the story without naming names to my friend, another friend of ours, who's like a man man. And he's like, bro, did this dude just say another man hurt his feelings? He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, bro, I'm taking that to the grave with me, bro. He said, I'm that I'll never admit another man hurt my feelings. Because <laughs> that's how we're taught. You never, you never admit that stuff, right? Um, 
but these are things you only understand if you recognize you are made from these pairs and Allah made you to understand one another. And the one that is genderless has created gender in order for gender to one another, in order to know the one that is genderless. In order one that know that is genderless. Who's genderless? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not a he and he's not a she. He's Allah. Right? Um, na'am. And then he said, uh, So we took these things. Now we made you nations and tribes. The prerequisite for a nation to be built and a tribe to be built is the masculine and the feminine. Imagine if the masculine and feminine didn't know each other, how are you going to build a tribe? How are you going to build a community? How are you going to have family? How are you going to have children? How are you going to have intergenerational sustainability of anything? Naam. And uh... <clears throat> and Nations and tribes are known by what's called their urf, their cultures. Their cultures. Why does he begin with masculine, feminine, nations, tribes? The things that are considered masculine in one nation may not be the same as another nation. The things that are feminine in one nation are not. May not I'll give you an example. Um, in certain cultures, I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. Somebody had asked me in a class, a fiqh class, are earrings permissible for men? Are earrings permissible for men? The only thing explicitly for men that is impermissible is what? Gold and silk. Sah? Gold and silk. And that includes like um, platinum too. No, 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 sorry, sorry. White gold too. Platinum is permissible, sorry. White gold. Rose gold and things like that, right? All forms of gold. Um, and silk, right? Um, and for some opinions, as, as long as it doesn't touch the... I, I love like silk robes and I'm always like get so upset when I can't like buy one. I've always wanted to buy a silk robe, like in the Old Spice commercials. Um, but I can never have one. Inshallah in Jannah, inshallah, I'll get silk robes. Um, and they're, uh, they were asking like, what's the permit? Now, in certain cultures, men wear earrings. And in most cultures that are you're exposed to, men probably don't wear earrings, right? The hadith is what? Do not imitate what is feminine. Oh, you men, don't imitate what is feminine. Don't dress up feminine. Obviously, we're taking it to extremes in our culture sometimes where men are just wearing dresses, which is a hadith of the end of time. Men will dress like women and women will dress like men, right? There is masculine clothing and there's feminine clothing, but they're defined by a certain culture. If I, There's moments I've gone to a Walgreens with a thob on, the Arabic robe, and people are like, oh, he's wearing a dress. Right? Like, no, dude, it's not a dress. It's this thing, whatever. Right? Um, but it's not a dress in, in, in the East, right? Like shalvar kameez, right? Like, you know where you, it's the wintertime, you wear shalvar kameez, you wear the kurta thing, and you wear a jacket over it, and it pops out like a frock, right? Like, people are just like, oh, this is a guy just wearing a dress. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That guy's wearing a dress. I'm not wearing a dress. That guy is, right? That's a straight up dress. I'm not wearing a dress. Right, that person is wearing it. Um, they're sort of recognized. Likewise, um, earrings for men may be masculine in certain African tribe teachers that wore earrings. Mashaykh in Eritrea that wore earrings, right? Who you know who else wore earrings? Imam Hassan wore earrings. People don't know that Imam Hassan wore earrings. Yeah, Imam Hussein wore earrings, right? No, 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 no. Wait, this is not a fatwa for everybody to go out and get earrings. There's somebody close to me that did that. This is not a fatwa that goes out and you get earrings. Right? 
This is to ask yourself what is defined as a masculine expression in our culture and what is defined as a feminine expression in our culture, right? By your community, not by outside forces. Right now, I'm, we're not in time to depend on the outside culture to define things right now because the outside culture doesn't understand who they are. They don't even understand who they are, right? They're having a confusion. When I say they, I don't mean people that are not Muslim. I mean people that are just um, trying to market something to us to profit out of us by using confusion culture, right? They're trying to profit out of us. That is a problem. We're not informed by that anymore. We're not informed by that anymore. And the loss of, because they haven't even gone through the right, what's called tatatib of recognizing masculinity and femininity, right? They haven't understood it. So we have to define for ourselves, like, what does that mean? Like, what does it look like? And then you bring that into your shu'ub and waqaba'il. And then you know one another through that. And then you understand the sensitivities of certain cultures. How we do weddings. How we celebrate birthdays. How we celebrate births when people are born. Which is a lost tradition. The celebration of a birth is so important. The aqiqa or the cutting of the hair when you slaughter an animal is such an important part of our traditional society, like it just doesn't happen in the house. Like you invite people, you feed people. There is a celebration. And we have, the Prophet had two aqiqas, right? Um, the, uh, you have what's called uh, when people come to age, they go through puberty. We celebrate when men become, go through, have the signs of puberty and become men. We celebrate when women become signs of, have, uh, you know, I lived in, uh, an African tribe once for a little bit and one of the young men became he was 14 and he be, he had the signs of puberty and they were like okay he's a man now they laid out the red carpet from him they read Quran together and did a khatam for him for Quran they fed people and all of the village elders knighted the young boy and they came and gave him nasiha they put him on a horse and they walked him through and then they gave him a specific duty to do. And they sent him on a journey with one of the elders. They sent him on one of the journey with one of the elders and came back. Meaning we are now, you've now, you know, the 13 going on 30. We have young, uh, sorry, 30 going on 13. Adults who don't understand anything. Why do you think that is? We haven't really given them this, what we call, Mike, you call it the rite of passage. Rites of passage. Mike calls it, and he probably has an entire, he probably do an entire class on this. So inshallah, he will. People call it, but he, inshallah, he has this whole thing and inshallah ta'ala, he will do it in Ta'li very soon. Hopefully once it's done, he's going to do a whole thing on him. Um, but like a rite of passage for now boys to become men and men to be, and women and, and girls to become women where we don't have to go through the nonsense that we go through now of like immature uh, behavior of, of 35-year-old boys and 25-year-old boys and 30-year-old women, right? Where it's just like, it's like high school all over again. One of the things with Muslims, you'll realize, with Muslims who are born into the faith, you'll realize this, is they don't go through, like they were never the cool kids in high school. Because a lot of times you grew up, like you're so Muslim, you're like immigrant, you're a little ethnic, whatever, you're not really cool. And if you're the cool Muslim dude, you're like really cool and you're sort of like disavow your Muslim heritage. This is like back in the day. Now things have changed, but back in the day. And they don't go through like that social puberty where they get to like be whatever. So, and they don't, and they go to college and all of a sudden they get become like young professionals. And they find their little pockets and everything they experience in high school, they relive when they're like adults, which is deeply problematic, right? I see some people smiling here, right? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Relationship stuff, right? Uh, family stuff, right? They go through like fights that you'll have as a teenager with their parents now. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't want to come to the, I don't want to visit. Oh, 20. Um, and then you'll, you'll have like, they'll have a, they'll have arguments about like, oh, I don't want to see grandma, right? It's like, bro, you're 30, dude. Go see your grandma. Like, what the heck? Yeah, I, I wanted to go watch Black Panther movies. Like, bro, you're 30 years old, bro. Like, you're not in high school. Just go visit your grandma, dude. Like, you could say, not willing to sacrifice. What happens now is people are not willing to sacrifice their desires for what their responsibilities are supposed to be. You know, you're a man. You have a responsibility now, Right. You have, and what do I mean? Am I saying go save the world? I'm like, no, you have a responsibility to clean the dishes when you have dinner with mom and dad. It's your responsibility. Not can you do it? You go do it. Nobody should be asking you how to do it. You have, as a woman, you have a responsibility to call your, your grandfather and ask him how he's doing and go visit him and say, I'm just going to make something for you and drop it off. That's your responsibility. You have a responsibility that if you are in a relationship and you're trying to get married, and there's a table for one thing next week, inshallah, everybody online, please sign up for it. We're talking about, this is what we're going to talk about. You have a responsibility to say, I'm not playing around. I'm very, I have intention with you. And I'm going to, I'm very serious about this. And I'm not talking to nobody else on the side. I'm not talking about, I'm not, right? If I'm committed, I'm committed. And at some point, I'm going to talk to Baba. And I'm going to say, Baba, I have love with your daughter. How can I make this work? What do you expect from me? Right? That's what a man does. And if your parents are like, yeah, they're not from our ethnic group, whatever, and that's the only excuse you got, you as a man, you got to say, Mama, Baba, I love you. I respect you. That's an excuse I'm going through with this. You're, that's why you don't need a wali, bro. There's a reason why you don't need a wali. I'm not trying to swear in discord in families, but I'm saying you need a man up. You need a man up. And no, respectfully, one to say, this is where I agree with you in. This, it makes no sense to me. I'm going through with this. You're either with me or get on the boat. This is happening. You follow what I'm saying? That's understanding your shu'ub and wal-qaba'ila. If the community and the tribe doesn't have these values, right? We're never going to get to the next part, which is what? Inna akramakam indallah. The most honored amongst you are the people of taqwa, are the people that put Allah in the in the center of everything. Beware of Allah wherever you are. Be wherever you are. If the core of our community is not Allah, is not God, not what will people think, what would God think? What would God think? If we, if somebody comes into the space and they don't look the way we want them to look, if they're not at, if they're not, um, they don't meet the cut of what it means to be a good Muslim, not from what we think, and we kick them out of what the community will think if they're in the space, is a problem. We, we invite people like, what would Allah do? What would the Prophet do? A man comes into the space, and you guys aren't familiar with this hadith, they come to the messenger of Allah, and he urinates in the mosque. Yeah, but he urinates in the mosque. You can only imagine this at the end, real time, somebody walks in, they go to the corner and they urinate. Right? And the companions take their swords out and they go and they try to attack him. And he says, let him finish. Look at the hikmah. Let him finish. He didn't say stop him. Guys, stop that. Let him finish. Everybody knows you don't stop somebody urinating halfway. It's not from adab. It's bad adab. And it's bad for the body. Let him finish. And then he walks up to themselves and he says, is this a place do you think is, is, is do you think this is the appropriate place to do something like this? Right? And he says, no, Master of Allah. And he orders some, he orders a cloth 
the messenger of Allah gets on his own hands and knees and he starts to wash the man's urine. He starts to wash the man's urine, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the man begins to cry and he says, Ya, he says, ya Allah, arhamni wa arham Muhammad wa la arham al-ahad al-akhir. Have oh Allah, have mercy on me, have mercy on Muhammad. And he said, I don't have mercy on any of these people. And the message from Allah said, "Qadda'aktu shay'un wasi'a." You have made something. You had made. You had. You have. You have constricted something that was otherwise vast. Right? See, adab of Habib sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When people come, this is an organ. This is a man that he approached people based on what would Allah think if I if I knock this dude out. What would Allah think if I cursed him out? What would Allah think? What would God think? What would Allah think? فَبِمَا رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ إِذْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيذًا قَلْبِكْ لَنْفَضُوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ It was from the mercy of your Lord that you were gentle upon people. If you were harsh-hearted, they would have fled away from you. فَعَفُوا أَنْهُمْ So seek, uh, so forgive them. فَأَزْتَغْفِرَ لَهُمْ Ask God to forgive them. فَشَاوَرْ أَنْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ and seek counsel on them. Subhanallah. Why doesn't Allah just say, well, seek counsel? Seek counsel on them. It's like, he's saying that make them part of the process. Why does a prophet need to seek counsel on anybody? He's a prophet, right? Is his way or the highway. But he says, no, bring them into the circle and seek counsel with them. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? Right? وَإِذَا azamta, And if you've made your decision, فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ then, then trust God. God is the center of all of this. Right? In the Allahu atqakum. In Allah is the one that you have uh, has honored you. If you don't understand these three things masculinity, femininity, your culture, your tribe, where you come from, your community, and recognize other communities. The way my culture does things is not the only way we do things. This is not the way we do It's okay, bro. Change. You know, the funniest part I've always thought about that was like, bro, like um, our cultures were not the same like 100 years ago. There are things that have happened in recent times that have informed our cultures. It's fluid. It will always change. It's the If it changes without Allah in mind, it'll become toxic culture. If it changes when Allah is in mind, it becomes a healing, uniting, beautiful, magnanimous culture, an inviting culture. It becomes a fruitful culture. You guys following what I'm saying? It becomes something that is beautiful because there's no haram anymore. There's no impermissible anymore. There's no like, yeah, I'm not, like my, if you don't do something this way, I'm not talking to you. No, like it's haram. We know, like okay, if you don't in our religion, you don't cut your daughter out of the family. You don't cut your family out of the family for things as like for that really, right? My daughter, like, you know, did A, B, and C. I'm gonna cut him off. It's like no, that's that's a that's a toxic culture. That's hot. We don't do that. It's a uniting culture. It brings people into the table. It's a healing culture. But you have to be willing to know and appreciate the different expressions. And then also, I'll even go further to say the different expressions of Islam. You should be very proud of like, like subcontinent Indian Pakistani Islam. You should be very proud of like Moroccan Islam. You should be very proud of Egyptian Islam. You should be very proud of Islam that is from Kenya, the Islam that is from like uh, from from Mali. I went to Mali. I was like amazed by how beautiful their Islam is. Like it's beautiful. Like it's beautiful. Like it's beautiful their culture. Like. It's, it's phenomenal. The way they do dhikr is like, you just sit there and you cry, you feel like you're in Jannah, right? They do, a, they do communal dhikr and they don't stop all night during the Eids until one of them sees the garden. SubhanAllah. They say, we don't stop until one of us see Jannah. 
Subhanallah. Don't ask me how, don't ask me when. But they're in the space, that's their culture. Allahu Akbar. Right? Making beautiful things. Beautiful things. Um, and then you'll learn to appreciate what we're trying to do in America is create a beautiful indigenous amalgamation and celebration of cultures that are from all sects of community. Right? Black Muslim culture, Mexican Muslim culture, Pakistani Muslim culture. Right, and they don't compete with one another. They create one beautiful intergenerational God-centered culture that is informed by the Sharia, that is informed by the Quran, and is actually a gateway. That if you're part of our culture, inshallah, it's a pathway to the garden. It's a pathway to the garden. It's not a pernicious sort of weird, you know what I'm saying? Weirdness behind it. Um, and uh, we ask Allah for tawfiq. And in the last verse that we're going to talk about before we end. Uh, is um, 15 minutes, Mike? Okay, so shoot. Okay, I'll try my best to finish this last verse, inshallah, which was the one that brings forth, I think, a celebration of everything we've spoken about. It's a beautiful way to end the surah. It's a phenomenal way to end the surah. Allah says in the Quran, uh, He says, uh, The Arabs are telling you, we believe. We believe. Uh, Qul he says that if the, when the Arab comes to them and says, I believe, say, no, you do not believe. Say that you have submitted. But faith has not entered your heart yet. If you, if you obey God and his messenger, and you don't uh, depend upon your own works a bit in Allah Rahim. Allah is most merciful. Uh, Allah for most forgiving, most merciful. And indeed, the believers are the ones that believe in God and the messenger. And they're the ones that do not, that if they're called towards striving in their wealth and in themselves in the way of Allah, they're, they're, they are sadiqun, they're people that are truthful, that say that there are stages to faith. I haven't really believed yet, right? And this is incredibly important that I haven't really, um, uh, I haven't really believed my faith yet. I'm not really a believer yet. A believer is somebody who has a high station. Say I've submitted. I've basically registered. I've signed the document. I will meet these conditions of what it means to be a Muslim. Right? But faith has not entered your heart yet. You're only, it's only going to enter your heart if you believe in God and his messenger and you don't depend on your own perceptions and understandings of things. Your perceptions and understandings of things and recognize that you will not benefit from yourself anything except what God has benefited you by. Naam. Um, <clears throat> and then he says, and indeed the believers are the ones that believe in God and his messengers. And if they're called towards striving and doing good works from their provision and from their uh, selves, they don't do anything except from a tranquil heart, a peaceful heart. They're doing it in truth. Like, what's this project of community that we're working on? A, is it based on actual belief in what we're doing has not identity? This is what he's saying. What is he saying here? 
say you don't believe you're still based on like identity stuff. You're still just inherited a faith and you're like, oh, I got to just be Muslim. You're still based on like, uh, our Islam is based upon our political engagement all the time. This is a part of it, but it's all the time. You're still sort of in the part of like, um, click Islam. Like my Islam is based upon like what group I'm part of, right? And how I express that. Um, you're still there yet. You haven't, you've, you've submitted, say, aslamna, aslamna. say I I, I've submitted, I'm a Muslim, we're all Muslim. But do you actually really believe that there's a metaphysical nature to what you're doing right now? That there is an afterlife. There is, there is, there is a heaven and there's a hell. You will die and you will be resurrected. There was a time that you were here, that you existed before time, before this place of the earth, of, of the dunya existed, right? You believe in the intercession of the Messenger of Allah. You believe in the day of judgment. You believe in the time of, like, you actually believe in these things. Is this the thing that informs your entire worldview? Is the Quran the thing that informs your worldview? Um, is, uh, is your religion simply based on the fact that it makes you feel good sometimes? Right? When things go awry, do you believe the devil is real? Do you believe that if there's fitna or tribulation in the community, do you believe it's the shaitan? Inna shaitan Indeed, the devil's the one that causes this. Like, if you, when there's a family breakdown, are you just like, oh, that there's so many, mashallah, there's a lot of best practice words, but you actually believe it's from the shaitan. Like, the devil is here doing this stuff. This is part of the devil's plan. Look, every night, every night, the devil, the Messenger of Allah said, al The throne of the devil is on water. And every single night, he brings his minions and he chooses one of them to crown. And the first one says, I made somebody disbelieve. And he says, man, I could do that in my sleep. You don't get the crown, right? One, and then another one will say like, I've made uh, uh, people hopeless. And he says, and he, I do that all the time, right? And the third one will say, well, guess what I did? I caused, I caused a rift between a husband and a wife. And the devil takes his crown and he puts it in his head. He's like, now you're doing the real work. Now you're doing the real work. I'm breaking the family apart. Now I'm doing the real work. How many of us will ever believe that this is shaitan? How many times like before when we go through relationship issues is our first thing is waking up. What does Allah say in the Quran? He talks about the verses of divorce and separation. Smack in the middle, what does he tell us? Protect your prayer. Protect your prayer, right? How much of it is like, dude, I'm going through a lot with my father right now. We're all going through it. I'm going through a lot with my mother right now. I'm going through a lot with my children right now. Is the beginning, the first thing is like, I believe the one that is going to do islah, fix this is Allah. So I'm going to pray two rakat tonight at three o'clock. They say, if you don't pray, if you want something and you don't pray to Hajjid for it, it means you really don't want it. If you want something, you don't pray to Hajjid for it, you actually don't want it. That's belief. That's belief. And that informs the way you do things. It forms the counseling you go through. It informs the, the, the relationship mending process that you go through. It reforms all of that. It's not in a vacuum. It's from, yeah, but this is for, from Allah. When you see um, a, uh, a community being built, Am I just building this so I can keep because I like red brick? Is because we want to have a beautiful chandelier in our mosque? Are we actually building it because we believe that this is the house of Allah? This is the house of Allah. Like we're entering the house of Allah. This is the haram of Allah. We actually believe it. Our, fa our, our father, Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab, was doing tawaf around the Kaaba. And he's looked at the Kaaba. He was amazed by the Kaaba. And he says, Ma Kaaba. Well, how amazing are you? 
he says, and he starts to weep and he says, by Allah, if you were destroyed brick by brick, your bricks would not be worth the blood of a believer. Your brick would not be worth the blood of the believer. That there is a metaphysical energy that we all bring. There's a metaphysical and just khair that each of you bring when you walk into the space. There's angels. You wake up with 70,000 angels every morning to protect you. You don't, what if everybody's in the building? You have more, how many angels are in the building? We don't believe that anymore. People think you're crazy. We mean 70,000. No, you have 70,000 angels that are doing work for you, that are trying, that are assigned specifically to you, that are protecting you from the shayateen, the devils, that are trying to, when you're driving in the car, you're, you know, it's when you're driving in the car and you're, texting or you're checking your Spotify playlist or whatever just whatever and you know that moment you get up and it was just the right time just the right time where if you if you looked up a minute later you would have died literally who do you think tapped you on the shoulder who do you think tapped you on the shoulder it's not your time to go yet it's not in your qadr yet those were 70,000 angels protecting you right our, our Sayyidina Uthman he, when he used to take a bath, he used to cover himself because of the angelic presence that he would, he didn't want to see them naked, right? He used to cover himself. Say you believe, like this is belief. This is belief. If somebody passes away or is sick, are we visiting them and reading Quran over them? Or are we just tweeting Shifa Allah alayhi, Allah barak Allah, Allah heal you. Or are we going to visit them? This is belief, right? This is a communal belief. If If, if there is a, a death, are we going to come together and do a khatam, do some dhikr and feed people and bring the community and visit those and say like, not say what can I do, just do it for them. Just do it for them. They have kids like, that's belief. That's iman. Khalisan. Do I believe that if I'm going through difficulty, let me fast and that will serve me. That's belief. Uh, and then he says, that they're the ones that they don't seek any like identitarian complex, but they're willing to serve. They're willing to strive. They know that faith takes work. Faith takes enthusiasm. Faith takes what's called himma, forbearance. Are they willing to be part of their community? Are they willing to be the change that their community needs? Are they willing to be the people and that's reflected in the words, Inna Allaha la hatta ma Allah doesn't change the condition of a people until they actually change within themselves. Are they willing to do the work? Are they willing to be part? And I know the work is like this weird, ambiguous statement. Are they willing to feed people? Are they willing to create a community? Are they willing to bring their talents into the table and benefit people by? Are they willing to do their dhikr every single morning? Right? Do their dhikr before they go to sleep? Are they willing to just hear the Quran for a little time of the day, even if it's by words? Are they willing to do the small things to get the big things? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends. It's the last verse, inshallah. And we're done. He says, Qul. that say that, that do you know that God 
is in what is God, what is in God between God's hands and God knows what is in the heavens and what is in the earth and God is knowing of all things it's from his blessing that you have been a Muslim that say that you would never have turned to Islam but Allah is the one that had gifted you with faith and uh, with guidance and with faith in kuntum sadiqeen if you are truthful the question that we've all have and the question that we should all think about and be blessed if I was not gifted with Islam would I be Muslim today? what did I do to be gifted with faith? and the end of this and there's a lot I can say about it but I won't sadiqallahul azim uh is that the word mannan? He says, You mannuna alaykum Islam. He's given you the gift of Islam. In the Sharia, in the law, if I give you a gift, can I take it back? No, it's yours. To the point where I can't even remind you of a gift that I've given you. Especially in a way to be like, 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 um, Hey, uh, let's say I give Mike, like I, I buy Mike like a jacket, a cool jacket or something like that. And he's got a ton of stuff going on. And I call him a week. I'm like, later, I'm like, yo, bro, can you pick me up from the airport? And he's like, dude, I really can't. Like, I got like the kids and this, whatever, like, whatever. Like he, but he would probably, knowing him, he'd drop everything, drop on me over, to be honest with you. But he like, I got the kids and whatever. And it's like, it's justifiable. And I say like, hey, remember that time I bought you the jacket? Right? It's haram. You can't do that. A believer cannot take a gift from another believer. Removing gifts is safe for one person, Allah. He's al-mannan. He's a reminder of gifts. He reminds you of his gifts, right? Knowing that in the word huda is guidance, right? It's related to the word hidayah. Hidayah is guidance. Guidance is the same word as hadiyah, which is a gift. And the only one that can take back the gift is God. Be wary in your own misunderstanding. If you don't follow, why does he end with this? If you don't follow Surah Al-Hujrat on being mindful of your speech, not degrading other people, removing arrogance from your heart, going through the due process of if you hear news, clarify it, not backbiting, not slandering, knowing the male, knowing the female, uh, showing value for each, for, for each other, knowing culture, knowing the tribes and communities, becoming God-centered, Allah will remove this gift of Islam from you. He'll take it away just as if he's easy as given it. In the end of times, a believer will, uh, the Messenger of Allah said, He'll get up in the morning as a believer and by the nighttime he'll be a disbeliever, right? All of this is to know like value each other, value your community and value your faith. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lana wa lakum kamalatu fi Allahumma ya akram al-akramin ya ajmin al-ajminin ya awlu bila bidaya akhri bila nahaya al-man hu'usun bila kunya Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tislim al-kathira adada khalqika wa ridatan nafsik wa zinata arshik milad kalimatik Allahumma ij'al hadha Qur'an lana fi quburina nura wa fi sirat al-dalila wa fi yawm al-qiyamata lana shafi'a ya Allah ya ghufran wa ya mannan wa ya sahib ya maluk maluk al-Qur'an ij'al yani kitabuk al- عظيم في عرشك العظيم متعلق قلوبنا إليك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم أجل هذا كتاب وسنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الذين نتبع فيه غفور رحيم وجل هذا في قلوبنا نور ونورنا بك به يا رب العالمين ونورنا لنا يا ذا الجلال والإكرام ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله والعظيم اللهم زدنا علما علما نافعا ينتفع منتشرا يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم we ask you رب العالمين to attach our hearts to the Quran and make the Quran in our graves a light in our in our in on the in on the sirat a witness for us and on the day 
of Judgment uh, intercession for us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask you to make the Quran the book that we follow and that our guiding light, inshallah, to your noble face and connect us through it to your light, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and make it a light in our hearts and our eyes and our tongues, Ya Ghafoorur Rahim, and make it a healing force to our, our, our broken hearts, Ya Mannanu, Ya Dal Jalali wal Ikram. Ya Allah, we ask you to make the Quran the epicenter of our community and its principles and its morals and its guidance, the thing that we look to for 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 building something sustainable and beautiful, Ya Mannan, Ya Dal Jalali wal Ikram. We ask you, Ya Allah, that you allow the Quran to be something that is always in our tongues and always in our hearts and do not make our homes a graveyard through the lack of reciting the Quran. Ya Allah, we ask you to connect the Quran through the heart of the Prophet ﷺ through us that we understand it as it should be understood and not misguided by it. And we ask you to make the Quran something that brings people together and not our Quran, the one that brings people together and not tears people apart. We ask you, Ya Rabbil Alameen, by this verse in the Quran, Surah Al-Asr, Wal-Asri, in Al-Insan, if you khusr, Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1000 Hearts of Ta'leef and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'leefcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.